According to a report from the Trust for America's Health, an estimated 1.6 million Americans could die from drugs, alcohol, and suicide in the next decade. This estimation represents a 60% increase over the past decade. Of course, we are truly concerned about opioid addiction and the problems that have led to this and continue to affect people in our country. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest today is John Templeton, Jr. He's president of Footprints Beachside Recovery Center. He's an individual who is working to try to, at least in some way, put a dent in what's happening and to help those who might be suffering from addiction. And that's what we're going to talk about today, addiction, how we got there, and what we can do about it. So first of all, Mr. Templeton, thank you and welcome for joining me on the program. Dr. Brian, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, my first question, and and we we talk about, we have a primary care audience. I'm a family doctor, and I grew up in medicine in about, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I think it was meant well, but we started talking about pain as the fifth vital sign. And surveys all of a sudden came out looking at hospitals and are you treating pain effectively? And doctors started getting rated. Are you treating pain effectively? And then there were all these new medications dealing with pain and trying to come up with different opioid medications to help. And now we're in a situation where perhaps in some way physicians have contributed to a problem that's out there only augmented by those who are willing to sell heroin and other medications illegally to try and make money. And, and here we are with a lot of families getting hurt. Is that a good summary of what happened to get to where we are? I know you deal with it all the time, or am I making it too simple? No, I think that's an excellent summary. You described it as the fifth vital sign in order to try to you know, treat pain. But I think what we've seen now is as a result of these prescription opioids, and we've certainly created a lot of pain. It's sort of had the adverse effect. It's, we see families devastated. You know, We're here on the ground floor and I mean, we see people whose lives, because of the opioids, are not necessarily relieved of pain, but have a great deal of pain in their life. And, I mean, we see people with multiple overdoses, families that have already lost one, one uh, child and, you know, hoping not to lose the other one. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really sad, it's a, it tr- certainly is an epidemic, and it's touched so many people in our country. Well, I think that might be the thing that frightens a great deal of people because they realize this cuts across all political lines, all racial lines, all economic lines. It really is affecting so many people because really it gets to the core of addiction as an issue. And that's what I wanted to ask you about. Now, my first question would be, For those of us who have patients and they're coming in and they're looking for help and maybe they've got joint pain or they've had surgery, this or that, when should we be turning to pain medication from your perspective and how tough should we be about giving out these meds? So we certainly see people after they become addicted, after they become dependent to these prescription opioids, but I think that there's certainly, there has to be some education on the physician's part. I mean, we've we've had, you mentioned it cuts across all, all political lines when we've had the surgeon's son, we've had the postman's daughter, we've had the pastor's son, you know, literally. And uh, even in my conversation with, you know, one of our our surgeon parents of a child who went through here, his description in medical school was they didn't really teach much about prescribing these opioids. And, and I mean, I've never been in med school, but I was pretty shocked really that the education provided and it was certainly not thorough and, and not a full understanding. So I do understand that chronic pain is a true problem. I think that you have to look at really a patient's history. Do they have a history of abusing alcohol? Do they have any sort of family history? We understand that there's a genetic predisposition now to being addicted. So there's just really so many factors. It's hard to just paint it 
really black and white. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. You're listening to Primary Care today on ReachMD. My guest is John Templeton, Jr., president of Footprints Beachside Recovery Center. Tell me a little bit about your facility and how you approach things. You're down in Florida, correct? Yes, sir. So we're we're in a little beach town called Treasure Island. It's in the Tampa Bay area, so the west coast of Florida, the Gulf of Mexico area. We were founded by a family. We're a father and two sons who we had our own personal experiences years ago, 15 years, and started this program just over 10 years ago. And, you know, our approach is really to try to keep it very small. We keep a really high staff to client ratio. And, you know, we believe and what we've seen is that 30 days is just not suitable to treat somebody that has, you know, long-lasting opioid abuse, and whether it's prescription opioids or heroin, and we see people that they really need, you know, longer term and, and need to be immersed in treatment. I mean, anywhere from six to nine months of some form of treatment, that could include outpatient because it's so strong. The relapse rate is so high, and unfortunately, if you do put together some clean time and you do relapse, sometimes just that little, a little thimble full of the previous substance you were using, your tolerance is so low that overdose, unfortunately, becomes higher the longer you are, you know, with active clean time. So it's really, you know, all fronts of this are very, very dangerous. Not only the use is a high opportunity to, to overdose, obviously, if you're, you know, using bags of heroin, there's it's just sort of a numbers game. There's there's so much inconsistency. But also, if you're getting clean and you're attempting to be clean, put together some clean time, you you really do. You don't have that tolerance level anymore in just a small amount or the amount that you were previously using can, you know, cause them to death. It's a, it's really, really tough. It's really, really hard to treat. So when you've got someone who comes in, obviously, I even say in your literature here, if you know someone who is abusing prescription painkillers or opiates like heroin, treatment should be sought quickly. I guess that's common sense. Get help as soon as you can. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Don't allow... Your family members, don't be that, we hear that word, the enabler. Don't provide that safety net that gives them another 24 hours to continue using. I mean, they almost, a lot of times, once people become dependent on these opioids, they almost need them to function. They need them to actually get out of bed because otherwise they'll put themselves in withdrawal, which looks like the worst case of flu that you've ever seen. So people will tell you anything because that they know that they almost have to have these substances, once they've been abusing them, once they become addicted in their body just to function. Sometimes it's a hustle just to survive, just to, if there's not even getting that rush or that, that really that high anymore, it's just to feel normal. So what I'm trying to say is don't, you know, allow somebody to put you off and say, well, I'm going to try to, I'm just going to give me another day. I got to, you know, I got to pay the bill. I got to call my landlord. It's, it's something that needs to happen immediately. They, I think you need to be you know, very pushy with a loved one to get them into treatment, get them help ASAP. And so to come to a place like ours, where it is a residential program, we would recommend somebody that has a, an opioid problem, whether it's heroin or prescription, to seek help at a detox. So we work with local detoxes or hospitals because it's something that you don't want to kick on your own. It can be very, very painful. It can be dangerous as well if you're mixing it with other substances. So, you know, usually a detox will help alleviate those withdrawal symptoms. That's kind of what prevents people from wanting to seek help initially is that they don't want to go through those awful, awful withdrawal symptoms of restless legs, the diarrhea, vomiting. The pain is worse than anything they felt in a long time. So somebody is like- Let's say, and when we see it in our hospital, I know I see it be with people who come in. They'll come in. They know the game. They say they have chest pain. They say they have this, that. They try to get admitted right. so they might get something given to them, IV, or, you know, it's a way to get the, med, the meds treated. And then we're, we're sending people home. You obviously just can't cut them off, right? You have to get them help and assistance. But in many communities, and I can speak for mine because I don't think it's that unusual, you don't have a lot of people who handle pain. They'll do procedures, uh, they'll try this or that, but they essentially 
don't want to start working with the medications. So family docs, general practitioners, in many cases are now stuck with the pain contract, trying to manage it, and they can't get a lot of help because there may not be as much help in communities. Is that something that we see throughout the country? Absolutely, 100%. And when somebody, I mean, you see people like, we're going back a few years, but, you know, Brett Favre, uh, you know, the uh, he was like, you know, John Wayne on the football field, a, you know, All-American, just a tough guy quarterback, and he got, it was very public about it as well, but he became addicted to, to pain pills, and I think part of the problem is there's a stigma. And, and I believe somebody like him, and there's so many Americans that are prescribed it after a surgical procedure, after some sort of medical issue, and all of a sudden their prescription runs out, and they don't, they weren't educated, they, you know, their primary care physician isn't really, you know, able to treat, he doesn't understand, a lot of times, we've seen it now, a lot more becoming educated, but they don't really know that that withdrawal is about to come, and, and so now, somebody's going to seek some sort of opioid on the street, and I mean, we've seen people that are professionals that heroin was their drug of choice when they came into our our program, but it all started with five milligram Percocets that they became dependent on. So I think, in the community, not only do doctors have to help with that the physical side, but I really believe that you know that once somebody becomes addicted, we need to provide those resources. We need to have some sort of therapy as well to help them through that process to, to let them know that you know it's it's okay that they became you know, addicted, there's no shame, and actually to help work with them with the mental side, with the behavioral side of, of now, you know, coming off of this before it just, it, it spirals. And everybody, you know, Dr. Brian, everybody, nobody thinks it's going to happen to them. I mean, we've hear it, we hear it so many times, and, you know, the, we have a grandma here. I mean, nobody ever thinks that they're the, they're the one that will become addicted. And, you know, God forbid you get in a car accident, get prescribed some pain pills, and then your body just, you become dependent and become addicted to those things. It's, it's not just willpower. It takes a lot more than willpower to get off of these things. So many questions to ask in so little time, but I wanted to ask you about now, in a center like yours, this is for people at what point? Are they somebody who's been battling it for a while? Are they somebody who's been doing it for a month? What, when do people usually come to you? So we, we always begin with a pre-screening on the phone. So if there's some people that have been you know, really, I guess we'll say, you know, fighting the battle for for 30 days or so, you know, maybe they don't need the residential component. Get them off the medications, whether it's a short detox somewhere in a, in a medical facility, and then maybe some outpatient treatment and learn about, you know, the, the physiological aspects of the disease of, of addiction of, you know, that they're going to also have, you know, triggers, intense triggers their first, first year even, and learn new coping skills because without those coping skills, that's, you know, we see people relapse all the time that try to do it on their own. So, you know, it always begins with a phone call. We love to help people and we treat the families and we're a family-run program, but there's a lot of wonderful programs and wherever people live in every single state. So all it takes is a phone call. And if we don't feel that you meet the criteria for our program, it, just like anywhere else, they'll refer you to maybe to somewhere with a lower level, lower level of care. But if you're at a point where you've tried to stop multiple times in your heart of hearts, you've said, I think I have a problem. You probably do. You're the person that needs that decides that more than anybody. So if you've ever in your heart of hearts think I have a problem, I need to stop this. I need to stop right now. You know, you probably qualify for treatment. For patients, your center, others center. Are these things covered by insurance? Is it cash? How do patients pay for it? Because I know I hear a lot of times people don't have money to take care of this as well. Right. We do accept insurance. Most health insurance plans now, as a result of the Parity Act, have to cover 
substance abuse as well, just on the behavioral side with the same sort of benefits that they carry on the medical side. So we see a lot more policies now and people able to get help because especially these younger adults, the early 20s that are able to also be on their parents' insurance. Private pay, is it's really expensive to treat somebody private pay. And, and I was dealing with an issue today with a family friend who's trying to find help for his sister who is addicted and we're trying to find a program in Florida that accepts Medicaid and, and, and publicly funded and they're just, they're bursting the seams. There's so many people with a need, but by the time people need treatment, a lot of time all their resources are gone. So it's, you know, it's quite difficult as a family run program. We, you know, we scholarship people where we can and we do what we can, but it's just, it's really just, a, it's, it's like a, a deck chair off the Titanic. There's just such a need right now in our community, and there's really not enough resources. John Templeton, Jr., I want to thank you for joining us on the program. Is there any last bit of advice, last thing you'd want to say for our audience if you wanted to get one big message across? I would. I, you know, I say there's so many people that are successes in our society, in public life and private life, that have had addiction issues, that have battled that fight and they've won. And I just really want to encourage anybody out there that's struggling, you can do this, you can live clean, and let's erase the stigma that there's no shame in asking for help. The shame is to be one of these statistics of people that that die when help is available. So please just reach out. Don't stop. Keep calling as many numbers as possible. There is help available. John Templeton, Jr., President of Footprints Beachside Recovery Center. I want to thank you for joining us on Primary Care today. Thank you, Dr. Brian. Now, if you've missed any of this program, you want to hear some of it, you can obviously listen to the podcast. You can catch us at ReachMD.com. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. Thank you so much for listening.